We are going to come back together. I have my waterproof Bible, and my pages are stuck together. There we go. Hello from online. We got people from like Michigan. We got people international, Canada, and Florida. Welcome. That was a bad joke, but I was trying, people. You know, you got it. This could be your life all the time. It doesn't have to be. No, thank you. Exactly. No, thank you. I'm with you on that. For like 10 years, I had this shoulder issue that kind of came out of nowhere where my shoulder started to pop out randomly. And then it would get worse and worse and worse to a point where at one point in a year, my shoulder was popping out every other day. And it might be something simply like I just raised my hand and it would come up out of the socket and I'd have to lay down and reset my shoulder. And it got so bad that it started not to hurt anymore. And I went to a doctor and they said, well, you're, you're ruining all the nerves. And so there's not a lot of pain anymore because you not only damaged the ligaments, you not only damaged your shoulder, the bones, but also now you have nerve damage. We need to do something about it. So I got some MRIs and we had a plan of attack, but they said it could be like a six to nine month recovery process with PT and everything that you need to do. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna delay that because like a good evangelical at the time, I was going on a mission trip to, to Bolivia, as one does. And so I was going to Bolivia, and in Bolivia, I was shoveling one day. And as I'm shoveling a rock, this time my shoulder goes out, but it goes the opposite way. I hit a rock, and it bounces this thing out. And I'm just like screaming in agony because I can't reset it. So I'm laying there, and a bunch of Bolivians come around me, and I'm trying to reset it. And, you know, they did what people do on a mission trip. They started to pray for me. And I had one of those moments where my shoulder reset. And I had one of those moments where my shoulder didn't hurt anymore. And the crazy thing about that story is my shoulder has never popped out since then. You can call that craziness. You can call that a miracle. You can call that honestly whatever you want. I just know that it happened to me. And what I know about that moment, and it's not something like I was praying for. It's not something like, I was, God, what I need in my life right now is I need a shoulder miracle. The things that I want you to do, oh God, in this world is to prevent my shoulder from coming out. And if someone did that, that's totally okay. That just wasn't where I was at. It's not something I was looking for. I don't have an answer. All I know is after 10 years of my shoulder popping out and scheduling a surgery, I didn't have to have one, and I've never had shoulder issues since. What I think about that story is that's what I want life to be like, to be honest. I want life to fix itself like that. I want life to be a little bit miraculous. I want there to be a bit of magic. And I want things to be fixed. Because the truth is, I also do not want to be uncomfortable. I do not want to be inconvenienced. And I want a God who makes my life more comfortable and more convenient. And much of the God that I was given as a child was that God. A bit of magic makes you a little bit more comfortable and it's supposed to make your life a little bit more convenient. What life has taught me is that's not even the invitation that Jesus has for us. That's not even the story. That's the story that I was sold. And then there's all kinds of problems with that story. That there are moments when life does not work out for you. When you are, are actually praying for God to do something that you cannot do for yourself. And it never happens. And you live with the pain of that. 
and the questioning of that and the figuring out of that. And how do I make sense of these things? Because I was given a recipe. And the recipe was simple. There is something wrong with me because there are some people back in the day who lived in a garden, who ate a piece of fruit, and because of what they did, the world is dealing with some stuff, and now God has come to rescue us from that. And now Jesus has come, and he has died for our sins so that we'll stop being bad, and if I'm not as bad, and if I just live a little bit more moral life, then God is going to bless me. And every now and then, God will show up, and God will press the easy button for me, and that is the faith that I ascribe to. And I don't think I'm caricaturizing it that crazy. I legitimately believed all of those things. But I want a story that actually works for me, and the invitation that I see from Jesus consistently is, no, 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 I did not come to rescue you for heaven. Although, here's the deal, let me just put some people to ease. I'm down for eternal life. I'm down for something. I'm always like, when people are like, get weirded out about the afterlife, I'm like, life, life is already crazy enough. Afterlife's not that crazy for me. <laughs> so let's just go with a good God who reconciles all things, because that's actually what Colossians 1 says. So now that we can like go there, now what's the thing that Jesus is really interested in? I think Jesus is interested in good news and showing us a radically different kind of kingdom, and we don't use that language anymore. So Jesus is showing us a radically different type of reality that we can live into, a different way of practicing what it means to be human, a different type of perspective, a different way to live. I am the way, the truth, and the life, a different type of roadmap for how we can treat one another, how we can understand God. That's what I think Jesus showed up to. And in that story, when I look at the life of Jesus, when I look at the life of the scriptures, when I look at the life and the faith traditions that we've been given, I don't see many easy buttons in there. There's moments of magic, don't get me wrong, and those are freaking awesome. But there's not a recipe for how they happen. Sometimes they just happen. And I don't always know why, and we don't get to control any of that. The rest of it is, here's what the journey looks like. And it's wild sometimes. And there's wilderness out there. And there's things you're going to have to overcome. And there's a God who's going to endure with you. And things don't always work out as you imagine. There's betrayal along the way. There's death in this journey. There's going to be grief. There's going to be loss. There's going to be figuring it out. But the one thing that you can hold on to is that there will be resurrection. It can be reclaimed. It can be renewed. There can be hope, even in the midst of all of that. That's the story of humanity, and that's the thing that Jesus invites us into. So as much as I want magical Bolivian moments when shoulders don't pop out anymore, I don't necessarily think that's the thing that we're being offered. Praise God for when they do happen, but what if that's not the thing? What if there's another thing that God has for us? And so I want to tell you where we're going at the end before I do my little list of the things that I do. Where we're going to is that there's just this passage where Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And I think there's such powerful words that have disrupted my life all summer long. What do you want me to do for you? And what I have to reset my brain to do is what I want Jesus to do for me in my life is to be magical Bolivian God. And I think Jesus takes on a, on a different journey where we have to come to the deeper parts of our reality and ourselves. And I think that we ask the question in a different way of what do you want me to do for you? And that's a process, and that takes time. But if we're going to ask that with one another, we've got to talk about some things. We already talked about Bolivia, but then we've got to talk about the Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals, because 
come on, live a little. And if we can do that, then we gotta talk about some re-navigations of things. And if we can talk about that, then we can talk about the thing. And if we can talk about the thing, then we need a recipe for the thing. And if we can have a recipe for the thing, then we can talk about the thing behind the thing. And if we can talk about the thing behind the thing, then we need another recipe. And if we can have another recipe, then I can tell you about that time that I was held by a very large man. And it was incredibly comforting, to be honest. And if we can talk about that, then we can just breathe with one another. So let's do this thing. Follow along with me in Mark chapter 10. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. There's already so much going on in the Gospel of Mark by the time that we get to this part. What you've already been set up for by the time that we get to chapter 10 is that Jesus is Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals all in one package. And I really want to say that because imagine that you're one of these early followers of Jesus and you witness all of this. You see limbs restored. You see people raised from the dead. You see him teaching these incredible things. You see healing. You see good news all around you. You have a superhero in your midst. And imagine what that's like for you. Now imagine that you're one of the disciples. You're not one of the elite. You're not a billionaire. You're not the top 1%. You're just some guys. You are fishermen. You're a kind of bunch of zealots who are passionate about your politics. You're just some everyday Joes and a whole bunch of other people that are following him. And when you see a superhero in your midst, you're like, man, I am all about that. That sounds good. And if you've ever been around somebody who's just like so charismatic and so magical and they're just taking you on a journey, it's intoxicating. Have you been to a Taylor Swift concert or a Beyonce concert? There's, some, there's a reason that these people sell out millions and millions of tickets against lead stadiums of hundreds of thousands of people. There's just a charisma when they step in the room. They're like, this is a superhero. So imagine that for Jesus that the lowest of the low in society have been invited to follow this Jesus and they see him doing incredible things. When I've been around those charismatic people or really incredible leaders, here's what I tend to find. People want something from you. You have something to give them. And when they don't get the thing that they want from you, well, they kill you. That's the story of Jesus. But there's this journey there where they're figuring that out. And so all of these people have an idea about who Jesus is supposed to be. And maybe that's just where you're at this morning. You have an idea of God and you're trying to re-navigate who God is in your life now. You know maybe that God is not the magical Bolivian God. And you want to figure out who God is that makes sense. But there's a delta between here and where you're at now. And you're trying to find language for that thing. You're trying to figure out how do I pray in that thing. How do I follow Jesus in that thing. How do I read scripture again in that thing. Because when I read scripture again I still have like old software in me that I don't know how to navigate this. Has anybody been there? I'm glad I'm alone and one half raised hand. That was nice. That's good. And so that's where we're at. And so Jesus comes along and Jesus is constantly reorienting them to who he is. And maybe that's more helpful. Because many of us were given a version of God where God is this constant and God never changes. Maybe you needed a God who understands that change is happening all of the time. And this God is constantly helping you re-navigate and reorient to a better narrative that will actually work for your life. So they wanted a superhero to be a superhero. And Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem, the holy city, the throne of David, 
the place where they think restoration is going to happen for this nation of Israel. They've gotten their butts kicked by every major superpower of the ancient world. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, now the Romans. And this is the guy who's going to change everything for them. They want something specific. They want him to do some magic. And I love Jesus because Jesus constantly interrupts that narrative and says, maybe some magic will be done. Maybe you'll get the magical Bolivian God. But also, let me tell you what I'm really about. Let me give you some different clarity for what's going on here. And Jesus says, so again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him and three days later he will rise. What are you thinking in this moment if you're one of these followers and you've had Avenger Jesus the whole time? Like you're Thor, man, right? You're like all of these people put into one and you're just gonna let them kill you? Not only is that disappointing for Jesus, but if I'm real, it's disappointing for me. Because I wanted you to do something in my life and now you might not do that. And I'm honestly angry at God sometimes. Not anymore, but I've gone through that journey and maybe some of you have been there. This is who they told me you were and you're not and I don't know how to make sense of that. And because I don't know how to make sense of that, I'm just angry. And I'm fearful. And I actually want something different from you, Jesus. And Jesus never wavers though. He never budges on who he is. He never goes back to avenger God. Those things will happen when they happen, but the rest of the time he's just constantly reminding of them what the actual journey is and where they're going. So let's talk about the thing. The story goes on. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. God, I love that. I seriously just love the honesty of that. Sometimes when I get back into the Bible, I'm just like, it's so Good. Some of it's super wild, by the way. Like, don't read Judges. Just, the, like, you're just going to have too many more questions. Joshua, stay away. But Jesus is great. And there's just some honest dialogue here. And the dialogue is, if I thought Jesus was Avenger God, this is exactly what I would be doing to God right now. I want you to do for me whatever I ask. God, I want you just to show up in the ways that I want you to show up. I don't actually want maturity here. I don't actually want anything else here. I just want what I want. And what if that's okay in part of our journey? So then, then Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? By the way, that's just a mature, healthy person. Have you ever been pinned down by somebody and they're trying to get you to like say, by the way, just have kids and this kind of stuff happens to you all day. There's some moms shaking their heads in here. Exactly. And you turn the question on people. It happens to me all the time as a pastor where people really, we get into conversations like, well, what do you think about God or Jesus? And I would turn around, well, what do you think about God or Jesus? Because I want to know, I'm not here to convince you of what I believe. I really want you to find something that works for your life. That's the thing I'm most interested in. And so they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other sit at your left in glory. And in the ancient world, if you've seen Game of Thrones or if you've seen you know, any movie or show like that, you know that there's always an iron throne and there's, you know, there's the hand of the king and there's always people to your side, to your right or left. And when they wanna share in your glory, what they're saying is, I want a little bit of your power. I want a little bit of your magic. I want a little bit of that extra charisma that you have in this world. Dude, we live in the land of Hollywood. We are surrounded by these people, and people want to be around. They're like, I just want a little bit of that juju you got going on. And I want to be there, and I want to be in the pictures, and I want to be on the Instagram account, and I just want to be known because you're known. You got the good stuff, and I want some of the good stuff. It's lightning in a bottle, baby. 
And Jesus is constantly trying to correct the narrative for them of like, no, I totally get that. What I love is Jesus is never mad at them for this stuff. He's pretty clear. And some of it I think is real because there are times, uh, Richard Rohr puts this really well in a book called Falling Upward. He talks about the first half of life and the second half of life. In the first half of life, honestly, we're just trying to prove ourselves. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to make money, trying to get married. You're trying to succeed. You might be trying to dominate, trying to get a little bit of power. You're trying to make your stake in the world. And you're not evil for that. You're just a human being. You're trying to differentiate. You're trying to get a your slice of the pie. However you want to do it, you're just trying. And sometimes if you'd be really honest with yourself, you're like James and John here. I just kind of want you to give me whatever I want. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the recipe to this story is for the thing is, that's the thing. The thing that we think that we want. But what if it's not actually the thing that we want? And Jesus is okay with that. So Jesus is saying, the thing is, this is the thing that you think that you want, but I'm going to help reorient this and I'm going to be patient with you. And part of the story of Jesus being patient with you is that Jesus provides clarity. And when you're in a season where you want the thing or the thing that you think that you want, the clarity that sometimes you need is clarity from other people. You need some people who are actually in the second half of life and who've lived there well. By the way, let me just give you a warning. Age is not necessarily an equal sign for this. The scariest people in life are sometimes people who are actually in the age of the second half of life, but they are still living like they're in the first half of life. And that can become really scary, by the way. That can also be people who have a lot of authority over you. That can be pastors. That can be therapists. It can be all kinds of other people. And so you got to find people who have some wisdom for you that makes sense for you asking that question of what do I really want. Find people who have enough wisdom and maturity for your situation and trust this. They're going to be patient with you and they're going to give you clarity for where you're at. Maybe they can see some things that you can't see in your own life. And that's a gift. It's a gift that they have clarity and a vision that you might not have for yourself. Surround yourself with a diverse group of people. That's what I love about New Abbey. Your experiences here are so wildly different. I know, like, you look around, we don't have a ton of people in the second half of life, just not, you know, like, where the plot point is for our community, but the diversity is the win for us. People just have different experiences than you, and you get to learn so much about yourself just by simply hearing their story. And that's just a beautiful recipe for your success when you're probably in the first half of life and you're just really asking that question about the thing of what do I think that I want, even if it might not really be what do I want. And Jesus goes on, he says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus says. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptized, the, let me try to speak here, or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? That is a lot of bees, by the way, <laughs> right? That was a lot. Um, we can, they answered. I love these people so much already, right? Have you ever met a sophomore in college? So many answers for the world. They are incredible. They have read three and a half books and been to two classes, and oh my God, they could solve, like, Walt Disney, I'll solve your problems. What do you need? Right? Bob Iger, hit me up. I'm here for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's something great about this passion when you know nothing. <laughs> Truly. And you're laughing because you've been there. I've been that person. And it's a gift when you get a little bit wiser to see these people and they're like, no, we can do that. You can't and that's okay. But it's that passion that's going to teach you how to get there one day. It's your, it's your lack of awareness to get there that's probably going to get you there. And hopefully you're going to surround yourself with some healthy people who are going to provide some clarity and patience for you 
along the way. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, because you already get the story as well. You've been asking the superhero for some stuff, and the other people are hanging out. are like, okay, this, this person's got a little bit of issues going on here. They're asking for the things that we don't want to ask. They were a little bit more bold, and I'm angry at my friends, and now I got some resentments. Anyone ever been in this story before? Okay, I'm glad that we're, I'm not alone on that. And Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think what Jesus is saying is, I know you think that you want what you want, but Jesus gives a little bit of warning. I think the warning is healthy. If you really get all the things that you want, just know that leadership is hard. Just know when you get lightning in a bottle, people are going to have the opportunity to have more opinions about you. Just so you know when you get that raise, now you got employees. Just so you know, like, whenever you get the thing, there's just going to be a couple things that come with that. And that's okay. But Jesus is honest with you in that journey. You think that's the thing that you want, and we live in a society that says, if I could just have this, everything is going to be okay. And how many of us know those other people who have gotten just that? And they're like, man, but there's so much more that I actually want. What I actually wanted was relationship. What I actually wanted was to be known. What I actually wanted was to be loved. What I actually wanted was to be safe. What I actually wanted was to be cared for. And there's nothing wrong with these other things. Like dream the train, dream, get the Oscar, go for the Emmys, become a billionaire. Like honestly, go for it. This is your life. Get crazy. Ask for the thing that you think that you want because you're just a human being and trust that God's gonna be patient with you in the journey and trust that God's gonna give you clarity along the way. Surround yourself with good people. Trust like Jesus that there's gonna be some failures, there's gonna be some difficulty, there's gonna be some progress and that's a good thing. And in those moments, there's a little bit of a storm, and it's a little bit difficult, and you move into that second half of life where you got the thing that you want, start asking some other questions as well. And the story goes on, and it says, and then they came to Jericho, and Jesus and disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, and a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. For me, this is the person who's hit rock bottom. For me, this is the person who's got nothing left. And sometimes those are the most interesting people in life. The people who I've seen just like they have shot to the moon and back. And now they're on the ground. But man, this is the most interesting stuff that they've ever had to say. What I love about the stories of Jesus is generally the wisdom that we get isn't from the top 1%. It's not from the celebrities. It's not from the religious leaders or rulers. It's not from whoever. It's generally from people from the bottom who've just been asking different questions, who have a different perspective of life. And that's where Jesus generally puts the spotlight to say, hey, I know what you want over here and you want the thing that you think that you want, but let me just show you another version of life where all that stuff is taken away, where you don't have to prove yourself anymore, where you don't have to fight anymore, where you don't have to succeed anymore, where it's not about all the first half of life stuff, and now let's talk about the thing that's been behind the thing the entire time. What do you want me to do for you? What do you really want from this life? That's, I think, the more interesting question. And many rebuked the blind man and told him to be quiet, and he shouted all the more, because he's got nothing else. 
he's got nothing to prove. He's just in desperate need for help. And there's those moments in life where like, man, I think only God can provide this for me. I've tried all of the other stuff. Have any of you have just had a little bit of power in life or you've had some opportunity in life and all that you've accumulated can't help you in that moment? All that you've achieved and succeeded towards, man, wasn't going to rescue you right here. All you have is a cry for mercy. And I love where we get to in this story. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked the question again, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. If you've been a good reader of the Bible, you know that this is not just literal. It's not just a blind guy seeing that these are always stories for all of us. Sometimes we're just blind. Sometimes we just need more clarity, bigger perspective, to see reality in a different way. That all of these stories are often about, man, could you see the world the way that God sees the world? So much of the good news of Jesus is him seeing human beings for who they actually are, not for all the other things that people have told them that they are. And when you have those moments of seeing, when life gets a little bit crystal clear for you, when it gets a little bit crisper, that's when things change. It's a whole different way of living. It's way more interesting and way more fun. And honestly, and I, by the way, I'm saying this of like, I've arrived. I have not arrived. But I have those moments where it feels a little bit clearer. Those moments have always come after storms that I've never wanted. And you just ask different questions about what life is and what matters to you. And I realize like how voluntary my time has been and the things that I can be choosing versus the things that I thought I should be choosing. And there's all these deeper questions that come up inside of us. And Jesus says, go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The clarity for the blind man was, I want to keep seeing this way. This is the one who gave me sight. This is the one who gave me a different reality. This is one who gave me more perspective. The spiritual metaphor in the journey here is, now that I have sight, I want to keep seeing. I want to keep returning to this source and see in a different way. And the recipe here is similar to the recipe from the thing that we wanted. The recipe here is a story of more patience, but I think also it's the addition of gentleness. It's the gentleness that you have for yourself. It's the gentleness that God has for you. It's the gentleness that other people will have before you. When you learn and when you grow and when you mature, that gentleness is so extraordinary. That Jesus doesn't come to rebuke or do any of the other things that all the other people were doing. What if there's a God out there who's just a very different narrative that you grew up with? That Jesus is inviting you into a different kind of maturity. And that this Jesus is asking you the deepest question of your soul, of your heart, of your being. What do you want me to do for you? And what if you could just be bold enough to name the thing that's behind the thing, behind the thing, behind the thing, the thing that you've always wanted? Four years ago, we were in the middle of COVID. And tension was happening between me and my wife. Like COVID, for, for many of us, COVID exposed things that were already there. It exposed systematically things that were taking place within our country. It exposed racism that was present. It exposed job situations. It exposed how people were taking advantage of it. It exposed goodness and beauty. It just exposed. And I remember coming to this difficult place with my wife and through a lot of complexity and things were really tough and I, maybe for the first time ever, I've been married 17 years by the way, for the first time ever I really, really questioned and doubted, 
I don't know if she wants to be married to me anymore. And we sat with a therapist, and over through multiple therapy sessions, I'll always remember being on that Zoom call, sitting in my car, because we couldn't do it at home, where the kids were at, and her just shaking. And I had been doing a lot of work for myself as well, and just grabbing her hand and saying, you can say it. And I remember her saying to me, I don't think that I'm in love with you anymore. And I remember just weeping. Man, I never thought we'd be here. I never thought this was going to be the conversation. And I remember just, there's nothing that I have to change it. There's no articulate words, no charisma, no narrative, nothing I can do to control. I just have to sit with this reality. I remember the next two months was therapy and letting go and surrendering and getting to the place of she has to be free to make that decision. If she's not free to make that decision, our marriage can never move forward in a way that would be helpful. And I don't even know if it's going to move forward, but whether she stays or whether she goes, I have to surrender. And I remember there being a day where I'm just driving around aimlessly in COVID. It's like no one's on the road. I'm like driving by friends' houses. Just like hoping that somebody's going to be outside. Because I was too scared to call anybody. And I get by my buddy's house, and he's working outside. And he's like 6'6 six, six and way bigger than me. I remember just getting out of the car and not saying anything and just being held by him. And just weeping into this man's chest. Because I thought I was going to lose everything. And I had to be okay that that was okay. And it's one of those moments of, if you were to ask me for most of my life, what do I think that I want? I spent the journey here, being a kid and learning that, okay, one day I want to be the great speaker and be invited to Willow Creek, and I'm going to write some books, and I did my thing in mega churches and speaking stuff and getting invited to those camps, and this is going to make me happy, and this is going to make me satisfied. This is the way that I'm going to live my life. If I just make a certain amount of money, if I just get these things, I'm going to be okay. If I just get married young, all my problems are going to go away. Okay, if we just have kids, these things are going to be solved. I said all the things that we all say, and that's normal and okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. But now it just was at that moment of, all of that, though, has been an endless effort in my life to prove myself, to prove that I'm worthy, to prove that I'm good enough, to prove that I can. And here was a moment where the deepest wound in me was being triggered, and at the very same time, I had to surrender. Am I lovable? Am I likable? Can someone who's even seen the worst of me still care for me? And it was that moment, and really since then, that I've spent so much time in internal family systems. If you guys have ever done all this stuff, right? All the therapy, all the prayer, all the good people, all the wisdom. Where I can finally start asking myself those honest questions of what do I really want? And I want to be free enough to know that I am okay. And I've been putting pressure on my wife for 14 years that she needed to tell me that. And it was that first moment of, you can't see for me anymore. If I can't see for myself, I will destroy you and me along the way. And it was so painful and so difficult. But man, it was so needed. And, spoiler alert, we're okay now. 
but it's been such a journey of freedom. And one of the freedoms that I needed in my life was to know you could leave whenever you wanted. Man, it's made it so much more rich and so much more interesting. And it's asked me just to look deeper questions of myself. What do I really want? And I want to see myself in a different way. I think the question for all of us is, what do you really want? What do you want me to do for you? I, do all the success things, do all the things, whatever the things you've got to prove in the world, and then when all that's away, what do you really want? And so I just ask in this moment, do a little breathing exercise with me, would you close your eyes? And maybe this is a moment for you where you take a big breath in, and you take a big breath out. Maybe in your own mind, you say to Jesus, what are you going to do for me? And maybe you don't call that thing Jesus, call it God, the universe, the ground of all being. But would you trust that God is out there and that God, through all of the other stuff, is simply saying to you in this moment, what do you want me to do for you? And this God is going to be so patient along the journey, so gentle with you every step of the way. Would you trust that this is not a path of perfection to get the thing that you really want? Would you trust that this is a path of progress? Would you trust that you're not alone? And that this is not just a one-time offer. It's the God of the universe, the ground of all being. Jesus constantly sits with you and says, what do you want me to do for you? And we're going to keep finding clarity. We're going to keep finding truth. And we're going to keep digging into what's the thing that you want most in your soul, in your being. You don't need to have all the answers for how you get there. You don't need to have all of the steps figured out. But maybe today, with a tropical storm slash hurricane, whatever's happening outside, come in. That there's just a God who will sit with you in the deepest desires and wants of your heart, of your being, of your soul. And maybe that's the comfort you need and the rest that you need today. So Jesus, wherever we find ourselves, for whoever we are, would we trust that we could answer honestly, vulnerably, authentically, and genuinely to the questions that you ask each and every human being. What do you want me to do for you? And to trust God that there are things that we're going to need to rely on you for. We call that faith that we honestly can't do for ourselves. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You find the same three or four people around you. What do you want God to do for you? Enjoy.